Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Turn with me this morning to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew. First in the Gospel series. The book of Matthew contains one of the most important sets of scripture passages that you can find in all of the Bible. It is referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. The book of Matthew, we're not going to go to verse chapter 5, but we're going to go to chapter 7. But the Sermon on the Mount is contained in verses, excuse me, chapters 5 through 7. He began to deliver the story of exactly what his expectations were, what it meant to be a Christian, why he came, what his purpose was, and what he was bringing to the world in the form of our Savior. But there's something very critical that's as he's winding up this message that there's a principle that we must get a hold of, something that we need to know so very desperately today. I may be asking this question, the title of my message today, I may be asking this question of somebody here in this room, I don't know, but this may be some, some, some material for you, some learning for you as a question that you can take from this place and go ask somebody else. And that question simply is this. Does he, capital H, he know you? Does he know you? Jesus put a tremendous emphasis on this principle of whether he truly knew you or not. And he laid down the principles for what it was and what it meant for him to truly know you. Does he know you this morning? Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 13. I'm going to skip around in the book of Matthew, so you can just keep your marker there, keep your finger in the Bible there. Verse 13 says, Enter ye, and at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. You know what wide and broad gates say? Wide and broad gates are littered with signage that says, do it your way, do it the way you want to, interpret it how you want to, live how you want to believe is right for you, skip out of certain parts that make you uncomfortable in the word of God. That's not the part that I want to adhere to. The wide gate says that's okay. But Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, in the wrapping up of this very important message, you must enter in at the straight gate. Because straight is the gate, verse 14 says, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. How many of you have been called narrow-minded? You're closed-minded, you're narrow-minded, you only believe one way, you've got it all locked down into this one particular way. There's many roads that lead to salvation, many roads, Oprah Winfrey once said, that take people to God. That is counter to the word of Jesus Christ. There is one way, there's a straight gate, and sorry friend, but it's narrow. It's not easy to get through. I might have to go through sideways. Like this. I'm working on it. 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. Why sheep's clothing? Because they're innocent. Because they look like God's children. God's children are sheep. We are the sheep of his pasture. They come in sheep's clothing. They look like Christians. They look like people that know him, but they're not. They're in sheep's clothing. They're wolves. Inwardly, they are ravening wolves, the word says. Ye shall know them by what? By their fruits. That word fruit comes from the Greek karpos. It means literally a work or an act or a deed. Something that you do. 
But listen to what he says. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree that bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. See, that bringeth forth comes from the terminology relating to reproduction. When a tree is producing fruit, when there's fruit hanging on that tree, an act and nature of reproduction happen. That tree will continue to reproduce as long as it's healthy, as long as it's drawing nutrients from the ground, as long as it's continuing to soak up the sun. Come on, preach with me now. As long as it's doing all the right things a tree is supposed to do, it's going to bear fruit, it's going to reproduce fruit. Every good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Oh, that's not the Jesus I know. That's not the God that I worship. God is love. He loves everybody. There's many paths. No, I'm sorry. Our God is a vengeful God. He's a gracious God. He's a loving God. Yes, he loves people. He died a most horrific death than any human being has ever known because he loves you and he loves people. But the narrow way is still his requirement. The straight gate is still the way that you get in. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. You can be seated this morning. Boy, people have a hard time with that concept of Jesus Christ cutting down the tree that's unfruitful and casting it into the fire. He looked at the fig tree that had leaves on it. The, the leaves represented the trappings. It was, you know, you identify a tree by its leaf, right? You can tell an oak tree because it's got oak leaves. And, and you can, yes, you guys that know wood, you can check it by the bark too. But from a distance, that tree, you know it by its leaf, its trappings. And he looked at that fig tree that had leaves on it at the time of the season. It was supposed to have leaves. And underneath those leaves were supposed to be bunches of figs, but they were not there. See, Jesus didn't know that tree. That's a tree that's not familiar to me. It was not bearing fruit. And what did he say? You'll never bear fruit. And it shriveled and died. He cursed that fig tree. They have a hard time with that concept of a Jesus that would be so harsh and judgmental, so direct, so narrow-minded as the world likes to put it. But he told, uh, in the book of Matthew, he told the disciples that he's going to gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. These are harsh terms. They're strict. They're straightforward. It's hard to deal with. And because we live in a world that's so much designed about doing it the way you want to do, I just feel that this is what God wants. I just feel it this way. We've been accustomed to be so preferential that the concept of a Jesus Christ that would hew somebody down and cast them into the fire is absolutely unimaginable. But see, it's the people that know that side of Jesus are the people that he knows. And the question again today, does he know you? Does he know you? Or is this the question that you can begin to ask as you reach out to somebody that you know? Maybe they've had a Christian experience. Maybe they've gone through the wide gate and they're walking in the wide path right now. And you can ask that question, but do you know him? Do you know him today? And I want to give you that armor. I want to give you that message, it's a tough message. It's not one that you wield wildly. It's not one that you run out into the streets and harshly and judgmentally hack on people. You don't use the Bible to beat people to death. But I'll tell you what, it's a subtle message, but it's a powerful one. 
And one that Jesus delivered in the Sermon on the Mount quite confidently, quite firmly, but with love, I assure you, with compassion for the lost, I assure you. But you know, you're not doing anybody any good if you're going to soft touch your way through it, if you're just going to sort of skip over the tough parts, the things that make me wince a little bit about what God's Word says, you're not doing them any good. If you know someone sick and dying of a disease and the medicine tastes nasty, you're not doing them any good by giving them sugar water. Amen? We're not sugar water conveyors, are we? Matthew chapter 13, if you jump there with me. He wasn't done at the Sermon on the Mount, five through seven. Oh, he continued to preach the parables, and so many of the parables started out with the kingdom of heaven is like unto, uh, notifying to you that I'm going to give you messages about how to get there, how to, what, what I really intend, what the purpose is, what it means to get to heaven. This particular passage starts this way in verse 3 in Matthew 13. He says, and he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed some seeds, excuse me, some seeds fell by the wayside. What's the wayside? That's the part of the road on the side that's trampled down. There's no grass growing there. It's hard and it's compacted and the rains came down on it and people stomp on it. You ever have those paths through your yard where people walk all the time or places where they drive where they shouldn't and it packs it down pretty soon. No grass grows there. Nothing can grow on the wayside. But sometimes when you're casting that seed, come on with me now, when you're casting that seed out, some of it's going to fall on the wayside. My goodness, do we get devastated when some of our seed falls on the wayside and it just dies. Oh, no, God's never going to use me. Oh, I'm terrible. I can't do this. I'm just going to crawl in a hole. But some of it's going to fall on the wayside. You know, there's four forms of seed in this parable and three of them fail. That means 75% minimum of our attempts to cast and spread the seed are going to fail. Get over it. Any of you gardeners, you know what I'm talking about. Seed fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up. Why? Because the seed could not penetrate into the soil. It was sitting on top. And the the fowls came and devoured them up. Five says, some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into the good ground and brought forth fruit. Some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. I told you that bearing fruit is an act of reproduction. Keep that in your mind. One seed produces many. I read recently that one ear of corn can contain 600 to 800 more seeds when it grows. And they can harvest those seeds and plant more ears of corn and on and on and on. Verse 9 says, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. When you read that in Jesus' parables, he's saying you better be listening. You better be listening. Let's skip down to verse 18. He says, hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. Now he's going to explain to the disciples between the other verse and 18. He, they talk about this. Tell us about this parable. He says, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. 
This is he which receives seed by the wayside. There are people today in the United States of America that are sitting in the wayside churches that are having seed cast out there that is not rooted and grounded in the full truth of God Almighty. That seed is landing on hard-packed ground. It's not having an opportunity to penetrate and these people are being devoured by the wicked one. Verse 20, but he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receives it. Those stony places. This world has a way of turning our hearts into solid rock. You ever encounter people like that? The hurts and the problems of the world. They've encountered so much pain, so much sorrow, so many different challenges. They get embittered and then just turn into stone. But sometimes they'll have that flash. They'll have that moment. Hey, this is entertaining. Hey, this church has got a great music set with, with, with fog machines and bubbles and all kinds of, isn't this exciting? And oh, and they receive the word with joy because the word just says, wave at Jesus and say hi and you're saved. And isn't this awesome and wonderful? But there's stone in that soil. It was not properly cultivated with the truth of the word. The stones were not removed. The same as he that heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth it, yet he hath he not root in himself, but endureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, the Bible says, by and by he is offended. You see what I'm saying? So the word is given at that light level, this, hey, you're saved, just accept God, you're saved. Or maybe they have somewhat of a real experience. Maybe, hey, they have that baptism of the Holy Ghost experience in Jesus' name, baptism experience, but everything was so superficial, they accepted the parts of the word that sounded good. They liked the part about I'm saved now. But see, the cares of the world, the, the challenges, but we get a little bit deeper into the word. See, that's the process. As a Christian, we get a little bit deeper into the word. You want to know how Jesus knows you? He sees you. One of the ways is he sees you diving deeper into his word, cultivating more of the word into your life. But see, there's a problem there because if you're in that stony ground, if you still got some rocks in that soil, that seed's only going to get so far. Hey, I can't get into this deeper stuff. Hey, I don't like these. This is narrow now. Come on now, you're, you're narrow-minded on this. You're not open-minded enough to say, well, there's a lot of different ways to interpret that scripture, Pastor. Well, maybe that's not for today. That was the Old Testament. That's when those seeds hit those rocks. But see, we're supposed to go deeper into the soil. The roots are supposed to travel down deeply because the storms are coming and the sea is going to start crashing and things are coming. They're going to tear the roots out of the ground. They were offended because of the word. I've told you many, many times from this pulpit, it's almost a slogan. If it's between the black covers, I'm going to preach it and I'm going to preach it to the truth. And I'm going to dive into it. And I'm going to understand every word of it. And I'm going to teach it to you and preach it to you as God impales and puts on my heart to teach. And I'm going to let you know what it says. It's going to be inconvenient. It's inconvenient for me. You don't think I don't get convicted? You don't think that God's not rolling me through the wine press right now? God doesn't have me on the, on the potter's wheel grinding out those chunks of stone and those fragments that don't belong? You bet he does. God's hands are covered in blood because of the chunks of things that are inside me that he's working out on the potter's wheel right now. And if you're not there, I tell you, he doesn't know you. 
21. Again, yet not... Yet hath not he not wrote in himself, but doeth for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arise because of the word, by and by he's offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And he becometh, what? Unfruitful. You're going to hear that word fairly often. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it. Now listen to what it says. Now this is so critically important. The essence of the message almost lies right here. In that last piece of that verse it says, Which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Come on, let it sink in now. He that hears the word and understands it and bears fruit. Pastor, are you saying if nobody ever comes to church because of me, I'm lost? That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is he's going to know the ones that are casting the seed, the ones that are watering, the ones that are harvesting. He's going to know them. It's the ones that never touch the seed. It's the ones that never pick up a water can. It's the ones that never try to help harvest. They're going to be in trouble. I told you it's an inconvenient message. And it may be something you can share with somebody that desperately needs to hear it in your life. Matthew chapter 7. Many of you are very familiar with this passage. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 starts out this way. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Stop right there. Everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Who is that? Who else would call him Lord but people that think that they're actually serving him or have convinced themselves that they're serving him? See, there's going to be people that are going to stand before him in the day of judgment and they're going to plead with him and he's going to say, you can call me Lord, Lord all you want, but if you hadn't done what I've told you to do, I don't know you. That tells me that there are people that will be deceived to believe that they are Christians or they've slapped upon themselves the name Christian. But when it came to doing what God told them to do, when it came to them following his call, when it came to them following what their minister told them, when it came to them reading the word of God and knowing it and understanding it and following it, come on, this is how we get the word of God. This is how we know him and this is how he knows us. Right? There was a breakdown. There's a problem. He says, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, look at verse 22, many will say unto me, in that day, we know what that day is. We've talked about that before. In that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Again, look at it right there. They prove who they are. He said, many that will call me Lord, Lord, will not do what I say. And then here they are, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? 
And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done wonderful, many wonderful works. Can I tell you that the Spanish Inquisition was executed upon the people of Middle Europe in the name of the Lord? Do you know how many atrocities that have happened on planet Earth? Thousands, millions perhaps, that have died at the hand of people who were declaring they were doing the work of the Lord. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done all of these amazing works? They put a label on themselves. They decided, they decided according to their will and who they are and the way they interpreted it that they were doing the Christian thing. Lord, we, we play Caleb on our radio at home. I've got a bumper sticker that says Jesus on it. I waved at the Lord and said hi and I got saved. Many will say in that day, have we not done these things? Now look what he says. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. I never knew you. From the very beginning, you were off to the wrong place. That word no in scripture right there is the same type of no that's used when it described the relationship between Mary and Joseph when it said that Joseph knew her not. She was pregnant of the Holy Ghost, but he knew her not. It, re it relates to an intimate relationship, in this case a spiritual one, not a physical one. What he's saying is, is I have no spiritual intimate relationship with you. You are not in me and I am not in you. And I never was. Oh. Folks, I don't want to be standing there that day. I don't even want to be three people back in line when that kind of a deal is going on. But I don't want to walk by people and let them believe that they know Jesus Christ just because they said, because of the works that they produced, when I know for a fact that they're not live according, living according to the word of God, or that they're skipping out on things, or they're leaving stuff out of the Bible. That's why I've pledged to you, if it's between the black covers, I've got to preach it. I'm doubly accountable for it. Because you've got to know that the way is narrow. It is narrow-minded, if that's the way the world wants to put it. There's one way, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father above all, who's in you all and through all. One, one way, and it's narrow. He goes on to say, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Verse 24, therefore, whoso heareth these sayings of mine and doeth him, doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. I know you've heard this before. I know you know the parable. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. COVID has come, the winds are flying, financial matters are happening, the world is in turmoil, our government is turning against the Christian nation, the winds are blowing, the things are flying at us right now. It's beating against your house, whether you want to recognize it or not. Stand on the rock, know the word, and make sure that he knows you. The word goes on to say that that house fell not because they were doers of the word. For it was founded upon a rock. What rock we know that is, is Jesus Christ. You de cannot declare that you own him and he owns you and you know him and he knows you if you don't do his word. It's as simple as that. He said it right there in scripture. 
I was entangled with a discussion with somebody one day on, on social media. I didn't even intend on getting in the conversation. A friend of mine was on there and was being attacked for being a Christian. I happened to catch the conversation. It was happening real time. Never had that happen before on Facebook, but it was happening right there in real time. It kept popping up in these comments. And God came over me like this. The word came into my heart, my mind, and I started typing scripture. I didn't get into philosophical arguments. It wasn't time to get into all of this, this academic nonsense. I quoted the word of God because it's right here in my heart and it began to spill out and I'm defending my friend and I'm telling the truth of the word of God and this guy went back and forth with me and every time he countered something God gave me another scripture I wrote that thing in there but the Bible says but the Bible says but the Bible says and you know what he finally came back with well I don't necessarily adhere to everything Jesus says conversation over That guy never said another word. He never attacked my friend. Never went one more comment on that whole issue. And all I did was quote the word. But the Bible says, but the Bible says, the word of God says, when Jesus was standing under persecution of the Sanhedrin, attacking him and accusing him, all he did was say, but the word of God says, but the word of God says, it is written, it is written, it is written. You know why? Because he knew God and God knew him because he was God manifest in the flesh. He was the word standing there in flesh. And you can do the exact same thing. Come on, you've got to know him and he's got to know you. Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. That's a promise. Oh, there's that mean Jesus again. Anybody miss mean tweets? Just never mind. Forget about that. That mean Jesus, my goodness. Turn to Revelation chapter 20. I'm closing. Revelation chapter 20. He explained in the parables that we've got to bring forth fruit. Sometimes we as pastors and ministers, we dance around that issue. We let people sometimes believe that bringing forth good fruit means you smile nice at the lady that's behind the counter when you paid for your gas or that you gave some money to the food pantry. That ain't it, folks. Sorry, not sorry. You must do those things, yes. If you're gonna be like him and bear the Holy Ghost, yes, you smile at that lady. You show kindness to the world, but that's not your way. He's gonna know you. You know, Bill Gates gives millions of dollars away every year. But, oh, buddy, I'll tell you what, he slaps his name right on the cover of it. Because Bill Gates thinks that that's how he's going to find righteousness. See, that's how, that's that wide gate that he found. And these other philanthropists, they're all seeking to do it. All these multi-million dollar sports guys and stuff like that, opening up foundations, slap their name right on the cover. But, see, that's how they're going to find their righteousness. That's not the way God designed it. That's a wide gate. It's a broad way. And it's a way that leadeth to destruction. 
Many there be shall find it, the word says. There's a way that seemed right unto man, right? Remember that scripture? There's a way that seems right unto us. But it's the path that leads to destruction and many there be will find it. There's one narrow way. And it starts with bearing fruit. Bearing fruit, casting the seed, watering the seed, doing what you can, take the attempt. Many people don't even get out of the gates. They shut the engine down before they ever get started. I can't teach Bible studies. I can't give my testimony. Nobody's willing to listen to me and they give up and crawl in a hole. But what I'm telling you today, now is the day. Now is the time to revive yourself, crawl out of the hole and say, okay, God, I'm going to throw some seed out there. And if people are mean to me, so what? I'm just going to take that risk. You've got to become so desperate, so desirous to see somebody saved. You've got to want to bear fruit. Because that's how he's going to know you. You've got to know it. That's how he's going to know you. You may not be successful between now and the time the trumpet blows. I don't know. But don't give up. Don't shut down. Revelation chapter 20. Verse 12 says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. The books were opened. All 66 of them are going to be laying there on the podium. Open before every man, woman, and child who's going to stand before him and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do a whole lot of good works? Didn't I slap my name on a technology building and give a billion dollars? Didn't I put a bumper sticker on my car that says Jesus? Didn't I listen to K-Love every day? Remember, Lord, when I waved at you and I said everything's okay and I got saved? And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. The dead were judged by what was between the two black covers. Every word of it. You understand? That's how he knows you. And it says according to their works. You ever hear these people? Works don't save you. No, but they build a relationship between you and Jesus Christ so that someday when you look him in the face, he's going to say, I know you, brother. I know you, sister. You step on right over here. The elevator will be taking you up just a moment. According to your works, based on what was written in the book. That's obedience to the word of God. That's obedience to the plan of salvation. That's obedience to the directive that we need to bear reproductively fruit. Amen? Skip down to verse 15, and it says, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You can stand with me this morning. See, Jesus is going to purify these bad plants, these poor trees, these unproductive Trees with fire, 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 hewn into the fire, cast into the fire, hewn down and cast into the fire. Oh, that's so narrow, Pastor. That's so brutal. That's so terrible. Well, guess what? You've got breath in your lungs right now. You can hear the word that I'm saying. The person you're talking to is going to hear those words. Get a hold of what this thing is. Dive into it and begin to live it so he knows you. Paul told the Roman church in his letter in Romans 2, God is going to judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to his gospel. That's how we know that the books that are on the platform there are these books. 
Why now? I said earlier that now, now is the time, and it's so important. Listen, again, Jesus, all over the book of Matthew. Matthew 24 and 36, but of the day and the hour, no man knoweth. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Verse 42, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Verse 50, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of. Matthew 25 and 13, watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. You see, when the virgins were told to wait, keep their candles lit, or their lamps lit, excuse me. It was said that the husband, in the Jewish tradition of of marriage, the husband-to-be would show up at a time at the house they didn't know. Why? Because he wanted his virgin to be pure. He wanted her to be completely about this marriage process, completely undefiled. He wanted that woman on a narrow path that was defined and described and outlined exactly the way she was supposed to behave. And so if he was to show up at a time predetermined, she could do whatever she wanted to and then clean up real good there just before. God's coming at a time that we don't know. And now is not the time for us to be lax or to give up on what God's called us to do. And we must answer the question, does he know me? Does he really know you? A question you can ask the person that you're talking to, the one that you're, you're holding in your heart. You've been bearing the weight. They're just not coming to church. Look them in the face one day and say, Mary, does he know you? What do you mean by that? Fred, does Jesus know you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. How can you tell me that? What does the word say? I said that the word know in this passage comes from that terminology that means an intimate relationship. Of course, we know with Mary and Joseph it meant a physical, intimate relationship. With Jesus Christ, it means a spiritual, intimate relationship. So it starts with the Holy Ghost. In the parable of the virgins in Matthew chapter 25, some of them run out of oil. The oil there, as you all know, is represented as the Holy Ghost. You can run out of your oil. You can run out. If it's been years, this is where the oil merchant is. You want to make sure that Jesus knows you? Be full of his Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. Come to services. Worship. Lift up your voice, but pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit at home. Walk in the Spirit in your work. Do the things that you need to do through the course of the day, but be in the Spirit. Continue to work on building that oil, making sure the lamp doesn't run out. That's the first step. The next step is to get into his Word and make sure that you're on the narrow, narrow road that you haven't allowed some philosophies and vain deceit of the world, some voice that's not your pastor or your spiritual leader that's gotten into your life and given you some kind of philosophy garbage that has nothing to do with what's in the word, or they've convinced you to leave some parts out because they're inconvenient. That's step number two. Make sure that you're on that narrow path because you take a step off of it and you're into the wayward side. And in that last step, Make sure you're doing what you can to cast some seed and reproductively bear some fruit. Amen. 
We got some great things that are going here at this church right now. Amen. We've got life groups that are working. We have a satellite church. You don't know this probably, but we have a small little satellite church over in Economwalk that's meeting on a weekly basis. A select group of people are representing abundant life in our community, and it's going to continue to expand. We're doing some neat things out there, and people are going to see who and what we are. We've got some things that are happening in our connect groups. People are already reaching out, bringing people in. We've got a discipleship group in the Silver Owls with the Imels and the Zelenskys. They had, I don't know, 900 people come to their last event. I forget how many the number was, but we're surrounding people with the Word of God. We're surrounding people with God's Spirit. We're beginning to move. We're casting the seed into Dousman, into Oconomowoc, and Delafield, and, and, and Wales, and, and Town of Summit. We're beginning to cast our seed. You can be a part of that. You can get a hold of some of that stuff. If you're saying to yourself today, I don't know how, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to even begin this road, I'm telling you, we're making the way. We're giving you venues of opportunity. Get involved with a life group. Get involved with a connect group. How about somebody call the pastor up and say, Pastor, I'm feeling it. I so desperately want to figure out how in the world I can reach somebody. What can I do? I trust me. I will have an answer for you. Sister Lauren Brown has started up and is going to be training soon our altar workers class. You want to get a hold of helping people find Jesus Christ? Do one of the most exciting, fulfilling things in the world that you can ever do and stand next to somebody who's seeking the Spirit of God and watch them be filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to be having some fun, feeling fulfilled, feeling like you're on the narrow path? Want to make sure that Jesus knows you? Get a hold of that ministry right there because we need people at these altars. There's more Chris's and Alyssa's that are coming. There's no more people that are going to be coming into this place. They're going to look a little different. They're going to look a little odd. They're going to look like not they've been in church for a long time. Some of them are going to have tattoos and and piercings and earrings. I love them. I love all of them because they're souls that desperately need Jesus Christ. We'll make the way for you, folks. Don't despair. Don't despair. Don't sit in your pew. Stand there right now and go, I don't want to walk around hand out tracts. I don't like talking to people. I don't want to teach a Bible study. Trust me, we'll help you. If you reach out to one of your leaders, to your pastor and say, I want to do something. I want Jesus to know me. Trust me, we'll get you plugged in. We'll get a place for you because we need it. We need all the workers we can get. Amen? All right, I'm done. I've talked enough. This altar is open this morning. Come and get a hold of Jesus Christ. Say, God, I want you to know me today. I want to be known by you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.